0: Now, open them up the book of Galatians, chapter number five. Galatians chapter number five. Galatians chapter five, verse number twenty-two. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ, have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. Our Father, I pray that you would bless now as we look into your word. I pray that you would put everything else out of our minds, help us to, to solely concentrate on what you have for us today, guide and direct. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. We began this series of messages just several weeks ago in talking about that word predestination. We went to Romans chapter 8, verses 28 and 29, and we talked about predestination five times, and I keep repeating this because I think it's very important, five times in the word of God that word for predestination is used, and not once is it used about your salvation. Not one time does it say God picks certain people to go to heaven and picked certain people to go to hell. Not once does it say that. Instead, it says God has predetermined something about those who would get saved. God has predetermined that we would be like Christ. If you trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, we are being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Now, in our salvation, we'll talk about this in a moment again, in our salvation, we play no part. We repent of our sin, and we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ to save us, and he does, amen. But in our sanctification, in our being conformed to the image of Christ, we do play a part. We do make decisions. We do work. We try hard. We do our best. And when all of that is done, the Holy Spirit enables us to live these character traits out. And these character traits we're talking about, the fruit of the Spirit, that's Jesus personified. He is all of these things. He is love. He is joy. He is peace. And he had them in his life, and he says that we can have them every day, and we should have them like nobody else has them because this world needs to see Jesus Christ, and they can only see it through us. It's the only way they'll see It's through us. We've talked about love. We've talked about joy. Today we come to the third word there, peace. Peace. Peace is what Jesus Christ possessed and what we all should possess and work at all of the time. Uh, It is a God-like trait. God is called the God of peace several times in the New Testament. Therefore, peace should always be a part of our character because it's God's character, and it was all personified in Jesus Christ. Uh, God commanded us to let peace rule in our hearts in Colossians 3.15. He has promised us his peace in John 14, 27. And because, free, because peace is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, he'll enable us to have that kind of peace. So we can conclude from Scripture that peace is an evidence of Christ-like character. Now, there are three kinds of peace mentioned in Scripture. Three kinds of peace talked about in Scripture, and we'll talk about those things this morning. First of all is peace with God. Peace with God with God. Go to the book of Romans chapter number one. Romans chapter number one. No, I'm sorry, Romans chapter five, verse number one. Romans chapter five, verse number one. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God. This is the basis for the other two kinds of peace. We have to understand that prior to salvation, we are enemies of God. We are at enmity with God. Did you know that you were born sinner? Yeah, uh, you say it now. Uh, now that you're old and you've proved it, you've proven that fact every single day of your life. You're a born sinner. But you know that that that, that brand new born baby that you held, you have held in your life, or will hold one day uh, in the future. That that brand new baby that, that's so sweet and so uh, beautiful and uh, so amazing, and uh, that child's a sinner. Whoa, that's hard to understand. We are born sinners. Every single one of us is born a sinner because we are born into the human race. We are a son of Adam, and we then sin on our own to prove that. And because we are sinners, we are enemies of a holy God. We are enemies of a holy God. We are alienated from him. We are uh, not going to get to God in a sinful state. It will not happen. You are a sinner. I am a sinner, and the idea that sinners could do enough good works to get into heaven is completely foreign in the word of God. Think about that. Something bad doing something good. That's just dumb. We're born sinners. There's no way we can overcome that to the point where we're doing more good works than we're doing bad, and therefore God will let us into heaven. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen if we are trusting for some reason in our goodness, in our th- able, ability to do the right thing, our ability to do what's good and kind and thoughtful all of the time to get us into heaven, you're not going there. You're not going there. Because there's none of us, not one of us, that can do enough to earn God's heaven. We can't do it because we are enemies of God enemies of God. Now, we've all lied. We've all stolen. We've all sinned in various shapes or forms. Oh, we've justified it. We've said it's okay because I'm not as bad as that guy over there. And we've done all kinds of things to say it's okay for for, for me to do it for this reason at this time. But no, we're sinners at enmity with God. Now, the problem is if we die that way, The first face we will see is the face of God who will judge us and in our guilty condition, consign us to hell forever. That's not good. It's not good. But God sent Christ to pay your sin penalty in full. He went to the cross and died in your place taking on your sin, and God punished him for you. And now you, if you will repent of your sin, put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you shall be saved. Romans 10, 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not maybe, not could be, not might be one day down the road. You repent of your sin. You call on the Lord to save you, you will be saved. Amen. He saves us, not our works. We put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He died to reconcile us. Reconcile us. Okay. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 21, paints the picture of Jesus Christ on the cross, taking God in one hand, taking sinful man in the other hand, who's repented and put their faith in him and bringing them together again that's what salvation is about. He goes on to say that he's given us, given to us the ministry of reconciliation whereby we go get people and bring them to Jesus who reconciles them to God. We bring them to Jesus. He reconciles them to God, but we've been reconciled. You know why we were reconciled to God? Because we were separated. We were alienated. We were enemies of God. Trusting in our church attendance, trusting in our church membership, trusting in our baptism, trusting in our good works, trusting in all kinds of things that people say you need to do. But God says, no, it's already been done. Trust in me. And when we put our faith in Jesus Christ as our savior, we have peace with God. Amen. You know something? I do not have to worry about going to sleep at night and wondering If I did enough good works today. Because it's not dependent on me. I go to sleep at night knowing that if something bad happened and I died in the middle of the night, I'd be in heaven. Because I have peace with God because of Jesus Christ. I don't earn it. I don't deserve it. But because Jesus Christ died in my place, God has bestowed his love upon me. Amen. And I have peace with God. Jesus finished work on the cross, reconciled us to God, and made peace between us. Amen. And the only way to have that appropriated to your heart, to your life, is to just trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. If you've not done that, do it today. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, Lest any man should boast. Oh, we'll be bragging in heaven. We'll be boasting on heaven on what Jesus Christ did for us, not on what we did. Okay, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus Christ, we can have peace knowing, my sins are forgiven. I'm going to heaven. Jesus paid it all. I can rest in him. Amen. There is no peace like that piece. You've heard me say it before. If you had to work for your salvation, you should go to bed at night, a wreck. But you don't, but you don't. Uh, Mother Teresa, have you heard of her? Uh, If anybody could be saved by good works, it was probably her. Let's be honest here. Uh, She did a whole lot for a whole lot of people. Uh, In India, she sacrificed her life for them. But she ended up dying a couple years back, and then her diaries were produced. She was a wreck. She was an absolute wreck. She didn't know if she was going to heaven. After all that she did, do you know why she didn't know if she was going to heaven? Because she wasn't unless she trusted Christ as Savior. So she had to do more and more, and more, and more, and more. And she was honest, alone. I can't make it. I can't make it. Folks, neither can you and I. There is no peace. There is no surety. There is no salvation outside of trusting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. If there was some other way to be saved, other than falling on your knees before the cross of Jesus Christ and saying, Father, save me. Jesus, save me. And Jesus was, pardon this, stupid to go to the cross. He didn't need to, but you know something? He's God. He's not stupid. There's one way and only one way And that is falling on our face before a holy God and saying, I am a sinner. I am undone. I accept what Jesus Christ has done for me. Amen. Then we're saved. Then we have made peace with God. Nothing we did, but everything he did for us. Peace with God is the first kind of peace talked about in the New Testament. And the most important one, the one that lays the foundation for the other ones, there's peace with God. Secondly, Peace within ourselves. That's the peace of God. That's the peace of God. Uh, It's usually not the big things that rob us of our peace. Okay? Something bad happens. You know what we're good at doing? We're good at running running to God in prayer immediately because something bad has happened. Amen. It's usually not those big things. We're smart about that. But it's the little things that rob us of our peace. The little things that we often try to solve ourselves. Little things that we often try to to figure out on our own and take care of on our own and handle on our own that rob us of our peace. We can take everything to God and turn it over to him and have peace knowing he will handle those things if we let him. He's promised us to do so. Let's go go in your Bibles to Philippians chapter number four. We looked at this a couple of weeks ago, a number of weeks ago. Let's look at it again. It's so important. Philippians chapter number four. <clears throat> verse number six, Philippians chapter four, verse number six, be careful for nothing. Remember, that means don't worry about anything. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And God will give you what you need. Is that what he says? No, give you what. He didn't say anything about answering prayer this, there. Now, God has made all kinds of promises to answer prayer. Amen? But here he says, you'll get peace. When you turn everything over to him all your cares, all your worries, all your anxieties, all the problems, big and little, when you turn them over to him, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We get peace instead of worry. We get peace instead of anxiety. We get peace instead of having to solve this thing on my own because I know my Heavenly Father will take care of it if I just give it over to Him. Very simply put, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything, amen. And then don't complain, be thankful. Don't complain, be thankful. Now, how many of you are are here this morning? Tough question, I know. You're here this morning. Chances are, you got here, I don't mean to church this morning, I mean, to the place where you are in your life because you've gone through a couple of hard things. You've gone through some difficult times. There have been things of worry and things of heartache and things of uh, just, just horrible things that have gone on in your life in the past. And you're here today because who brought you through them? God did. God did. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to take you through this next one. Wow Wow. I mentioned David uh, in the Sunday school hour. Uh, David was about to face Goliath. That was a rather big problem. Pun intended. Smile. Pretend you understand. That was a rather big problem, wouldn't you agree? But what did he say? He said, "My God's bigger than you." He saved me from a bear. He helped me defeat that lion. You are no problem. Now, I've never fought a bear. I've got uh, some that have walked on my property. and I've gotten pretty close to them, closer than I ever wanted to get. But I've never fought a bear. I've never fought a lion. But understand that the bear and the lion that David fought were no big deal compared to Goliath. Now, let's be honest here. Fighting a bear is a big deal. And it was when David did it. Amen? He's not saying that's no big deal. He's saying, when I was there, it scared me to death. When I was there, I didn't like it. When I was there, I didn't enjoy it. When I was there, it wasn't something I wanted to do. But God enabled me to take care of it. And then the lion came along. I didn't like that either. I wasn't excited about that either. But God enabled me to take care of it. And you know something? I don't like you either. I don't want to fight you either. Because I know my God's bigger. He will handle it. David could face Goliath in peace. Knowing that God was bigger than any of his problems. He said it in his word. He had proven it in the past. And I'm going to trust God. And David went forward and defeated Goliath because he had peace with God, because he had the peace of God that he is in control. Amen. What does Romans eight twenty eight say? And that's why we started this whole series. Uh, what, is, what does it say? And we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them are the called according to his purpose. And verse number 29 is his purpose. He's making us like Christ. He's making us into his image. Okay, so he said that when these things happen, if I'm not the cause of them through my own sin, through my own stupidness, he'll work it out. I'll trust him. And I can have peace. I can turn it over to him and I can have peace. Amen. And he promised that nothing would overwhelm us. Nothing would overwhelm us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 13, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Nothing is gonna sink you, that you face, unless you let it, because God won't let it. He promised he would take care of it. We can be thankful for that and turn everything over to him. What's the promise in Philippians chapter 4, verse number seven? The peace of God that's gonna guard your heart, that's gonna guard your mind, That's going to give you the peace that you need, a peace that passes understanding. Well, I love that. You know what that means? There are going to be things that happen in your life that every now and then the world's going to look at and say, how are you handling that? Why are you so calm? I don't get it. I'd be falling to pieces right now if if that was going on in my life. But you're not. Why? Why? Because my God's bigger and I'm gonna trust him. Amen. That's not putting your head in a hole. That is understanding that what God has said about himself in Scripture is absolutely true. You can trust him. But I've gotta take a back step. You can't have the peace of God where you turn everything over to your Heavenly Father until you have the peace with God. You have made him your Heavenly Father. There is no peace of God until you are his child. There is no peace of God until you are saved. There's no peace of God until you've made peace with God. It begins there, and that is through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ as your savior. Amen. Turn to 1 Peter chapter number 5. 1 Peter chapter number 5. <clears throat> 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 7, Peter writes, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. He tells us to cast all of your care, that's your worries, that's your anxieties, that is your troubles, Cast them all on the one who cares for you. Wow. That's a good thing. Do you remember when you were a kid? So you're still there. And you didn't have to worry about leaving all the lights on in the house. Remember that? Uh, You left all the lights on. You let the water run too long. Uh, You did this. You did that. You did all these kind of little things that, that dad would come home and say, what are you doing? That costs money. Let's turn off a few lights. Let's turn the water off. Let's not do this. I remember uh, when I was young, uh, Dad, if you're, if you're listening, uh, I, I apologize. Uh, my dad would say, uh, take a military shower. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you do, some of you don't no idea. Get in there, get all wet, soap up, turn the water off while you do that, and then turn it back on when you rinse. And we always said, oh yeah, sure, and never did it. Never did it. Okay, what are you, crazy? Uh, We're not going to do anything like that. And, uh, you know, you you get the idea there. You didn't have to worry about a thing. Remember that? And then all of a sudden, one day, you had to pay the bills. And what do you do? Uh, The lights go off. The water goes off. This takes care of that. All of a sudden, you become real stingy. All of a sudden, you realize, wow, I need to take care of some of these things because they cost money. You know what he's saying here? You are a child of God, and Daddy will worry about everything. Amen. You don't need to. You don't need to worry about those things. Oh, don't be silly. Don't be dumb. But you don't need to worry. God will take care of all of those things. Amen. And he does. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. In the same context here... He says, be alert for Satan's tricks because he roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Wow. Be aware of him. Be sober. Be vigilant. He wants to knock you down, devour you. That's not a pretty word, is it? Wow. Now, what does he do? Well, first of all, he's the accuser. That's what he does real well. You sin, you do something wrong. And he runs right to God and says, look what he did. Look what she did. At the same time, he comes to you and he whispers in your ear, so to speak, if God really cared about you, this wouldn't happen. If God really loved you, he wouldn't have allowed you to go through this. If God really cared, wow, uh, what a liar. But if we start to believe him and we start to let his thoughts remain in our head, we will have this victim mentality, mentality that God is against us. I can't trust him. And that's his whole goal. There's no peace there. That's being a wreck. But that's what he does. He's the accuser, but he's also the tempter, the tempter. If he can get you to fall into sin, he will rob you of your peace for certain because there's no sin in guilt. There's no sin in conviction. There's no no peace in guilt. There's no peace in conviction. If he can get you to sin, your peace will be gone. The Bible says that, that Moses refused to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Understand that sin is fun. I never thought the preacher would say that, did you? Sin's in fun. If if it weren't, who'd do it? Who would do it? No one would. You know, if sin were like broccoli, it'd be no problem. I'll I'll use this in class every now and then. I'll talk about uh, if you had a, uh, if, if, you know, you had the choice between broccoli and, 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 and M&M's and, and uh, you know, you'd hate the broccoli. you'd eat them They always say, no, we like broccoli. I, you're, you're crazy. I like broccoli too. But you put a bowl of broccoli and a bowl of M&M's, I can tell you which one's gone first. Okay? That's sin. Or at least that's the picture Satan, put, you know, pictures it. That's the, the portrait he paints. But it's only good... For a season. And do you know who that season is shortest for? for? The believer. The Christian. We get tempted. We fall into sin. And immediately God says, immediately the Holy Spirit says, you've done wrong. Run to God and get it right. And that guilt comes in. And when the guilt is there, there is no Peace. Later on in your leisure, go read Psalm 32. That's David's recollection of when he had sinned with Bathsheba and he didn't get right with God and he said, I was a wreck. I was a mess. And then read Psalm 51. That's David's confession. God, I sinned. You know something? There's no peace until we get it right with God. But Satan wants you to get wrong with God have sin in your life, and then run from him, and there'll be no peace. Amen. So he tells us to resist the devil. Wow. Resist the devil. He says in verse number six, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, Free careth for you. Be sober. Be vigilant, because your adversary. Verse number nine. Whom resist, steadfast in the faith. Uh, James chapter four, verse number seven. James says much the same thing, and he, they both couple resisting the devil with humility. Isn't that amazing? What was Satan's sin? Pride. Pride. We often hear that word pride and we think of the word arrogance. Because they are one and the same, yet they are so much different. Pride is simply thinking of who first. Try that again. Pride is simply thinking of who first. Me. 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 Humility says, I'm not first. Jesus Christ is first. And he'll take care of everything else when I put him first. Amen. And we have peace of God. When things are looking really good, right, aren't they? God's given us peace with him through salvation. The peace of God through turning everything over to him in prayer. And then third kind of peace is peace with others. Peace with us. We can have peace with God followed by the peace of God. And that is the way to get peace with others. Amen. Uh, and I'll go through this quickly. We need to have peace with other believers in Jesus Christ. When is it okay for us to not get along? That was a junior church question. When is it okay for us to not get along? One more time. When is it okay for us not to not get along? Never. We're always to get along. Uh, Proverbs 13 says, only with pride cometh contention. When do we not get along? When someone is exhibiting pride. I got to be right. I got to have my own way. I'm the more important person in this conversation. Me, 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 me. We're in big trouble. We're to endeavor to keep the unity of spirit, of the spirit and the bond of peace. Endeavoring. That means we got to work at it sometimes. Because let's face it, we're all still hum- human, I've looked around. You're you're all human in here. Okay? We're all still human. That means we all do dumb, stupid, selfish things. Come on. We do. All right? So we give each other room to be human because we're going to need that same room ourselves one day. Amen. And we do what's right. We esteem the other better. You see how all of these things are working together? Love. Joy. Peace. Peace. They all work together in our lives to make us look like Christ, and we can get along. We are members of the same body. Wow. Christ is the head, and when we submit ourselves to him, we can get along with our brothers and sisters in Christ, always and all of the time. We must always take the initiative to restore the peace. Okay, we may rub each other the wrong way at some time. It might happen. What are we supposed to do about it? We're supposed to go and say, I'm sorry, how can we make this right? And then do it. And then you know what we have? Peace. Peace. Peace with others at all times. Go to First Peter chapter number three. We're there. Go to chapter three. Look at verse number eight. First Peter chapter three, verse number eight. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil uh, for evil or railing for railing, but contrary wise, blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called and that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. Wow. The word ensue there, means to persecute. Same word translated persecute in the New Testament. Okay, when someone was trying to persecute someone, uh, let's say Paul was seeking to persecute the Christians, what did he do? He chased them down. He went to where they were. That's the idea behind this word in soup peace. Chase it Down. Go after this kind of peace with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Don't allow wrath. Don't allow anger. Don't allow things that uh, otherwise might upset you to upset you. Chase down peace and get it back. Amen. Search it out. The peace here is based on hating evil and doing what's right. Wow. We have peace with believers. Do you know something? We're to have peace with unbelievers, too. Wow. We want them to be saved. Let's try that again. We want them to be saved. So we need to live a Christ-like life in front of them at all times. In front of them at all times. Uh, When I grew up, we lived in neighborhoods. There were neighborhoods everywhere. We lived in neighborhoods. There was a lot of people in the neighborhood. We did everything in the middle of the road and uh, played all kinds of sports in the middle of the road. And there's always... To my understanding, there's always one old man on every block who hated you. Ball goes into his yard, he's getting it. Okay, ironically, the guy on our block was Mr. Bear. You can't make this stuff up. He's Mr. Bear, and uh, the ball would go into his yard. He would run run out the front door and keep it. Were you watching us play? Yes, he was. And he was just looking for that way to be miserable. That should never be us. Amen. We need to show unbelievers Christ. Amen. Every now and then, they're going to drive you nuts. Every now and then, you're going to drive them nuts. Every now and then, you're going to have to apologize. You're going to have to get it right. You're going to have to say, I did wrong. Will you forgive me? Wow, what an opportunity to share Christ with them. Now, he never had to say that. Say that. Amen. Amen but we do because we're becoming like him. We're not there yet. When we're the offender, seek to restore. When we're the offended, don't seek revenge. Seek to restore, amen, at all times. Is it hard? It is. But we're different. We've been changed. And we are becoming like Christ. We've got peace with God. I've got peace within myself. Because I've turned everything over to him. And I can have peace with everybody else. Knowing that all times, someone is looking at me someone is watching. My actions and reactions, and they have to be right. Oh, we'll blow it every now and then. We'll mess it up. Seek to restore. Seek to restore. That's why Jesus Christ came, to restore us to God. Amen. And every other kind of peace stems from that. So this morning, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, today, make peace with God. Don't put that decision off. That is too important. And the others will come as you learn, as you grow, as you give it all to him. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for Christ. Thank you for salvation. Thank you, Lord, for working in our lives through your word. Right now, I pray that we would all listen to you. Lord, you're making application. You're telling each one of us things we need to do, things we need to change, things we need to, uh, to fortify. Whatever we need to do this morning, I pray that we would say, yes, Lord, I will commit that to you. Lord, I pray that you would guide and direct in every decision that we make. In Christ's name we ask it. Amen. With every head bowed, every eye still closed. This morning you say, Pastor, I am saved. I have trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I have peace with God. I'm saved and I know it. Put your hand up as a testament of that fact. Just put your hand up. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Amen. You put your hands down. Amen. 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 Christian, do you have the peace of God? You don't have to worry. Be anxiety ridden. You can turn it all over to him. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer. He said, and you'll have that peace. That's what you need. But that's what people need to see in you also. Are you at peace with other people, believers, unbelievers? Is there someone you need to straighten something out with? You need to take care of that. Right now, you say, Pastor, God has spoken to my heart. Would you pray for me? Anyone like that? Put your hand up, put it back down. Pastor, pray for me. Amen, amen. God bless you. Amen, 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 Pastor, pray for me. God spoke in my heart. Maybe you're here, you're not saved. Maybe you're here, you don't have peace with God. You don't know that your sins are forgiven. You don't know that heaven will be your home. You don't know, you're not sure, whatever it might be. Pastor, I don't know, would you pray for me? Anyone like that? Put your hand up, put it back down. We love you here, we wanna pray for you but Christ loves you. He died in your place. He paid your sin penalty in full and now says you can't pay for it. But the good news is I already did. Come to me. Come to me. Anyone like that? Pastor, I'm not sure. I don't know. Just slip your hand and put it back down. Our Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for... The knowledge that we have of knowing you want us to be like Christ. And you're working on us to be like Christ. But we need to make choices in that direction too. Lord, you've outlined them for us in scripture. Now I pray that we would commit ourselves to them. Bless us as we make decisions. We again pray that if there's anyone in here who has never trusted you as Savior, show them that's their greatest need. Show them they're sinners in need of a Savior right now enemies of God, but can be made a child of God through salvation in Jesus Christ. Bless us right now as we make these decisions. We'll thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand. The piano is going to play the hymn of invitation. While we contemplate the words of the song, while we contemplate what God has done for us, we need to go ahead and talk to him. He's spoken to us. What are we going to say back to him right now? If God wants you to do something, do it. If you need to speak to me about salvation, I'll be waiting for you right down front. You need to speak to me about baptism, I'll be waiting for you right down front. If you need to speak to me about church membership, I'll be waiting for you right down front. Right now, talk to God. What does he want you to do? As the piano plays, talk to God.